When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, this is Beth Capici, and welcome to the Never Perfect Podcast. I'm a psychologist, and I believe that embracing the fact that no aspect of life is perfect actually makes us happier and healthier and motivates us to achieve more. It also helps us become more real and compassionate with ourselves and others. In my counseling office, I deal with a little bit of everything. So in this podcast, you'll also probably be hearing a little bit of everything. Not only professional advice, but also some of my favorite and least favorite personal stories. I'm also going to be interviewing people who are brave enough to share their stories with us. I believe that everyone has a lot to teach and a lot to learn no matter what their background is and in spite of their imperfections. You don't have to be perfect to be inspiring. This is Beth Capici, and today you're going to be hearing an interview on the topic of parenting and a little backstory to this podcast. I was wanting to do a topic related to tough love in parenting and what tough love looks like. And I think of tough love basically as doing what is good and healthy for your kids and giving them what they need and not necessarily what they want. So basically doing what's best for them and in their best interest. And I know different people have different ideas of what tough love exactly means. But when I asked Dr. Alan Kaufman, if he would be willing to participate in an interview, he immediately said yes and sent over several ideas of what he could talk about, which all sounded amazing. So, but he chose a wonderful title that is right up my alley. Most of my podcast interviewees don't really want to pick a title, but I asked him for input and what he suggested was amazing. So it's called parenting your family and not your fantasy. So Dr. Kaufman has been a family pediatrician for more than 20 years. 
He is married with three young adult children, and he and his wife are recent empty nesters. And he is a very well-loved and well-respected pediatrician here in Chattanooga. And I think that if we could clone pediatricians, he should be cloned. He, in my mind, is the ideal mix of brilliance and skill as a physician, but also has that bedside manner that includes wisdom, wit, openness, psychologically minded, Um, He's very invested in his patients, loves to teach his patients and his parents of patients, and really just wants his patients to feel seen and understood and tries to coach parents to really customize their approach to each individual child based on their personality and their strengths and weaknesses and their developmental stage. So his advice and input in this podcast is so customized based on each individual child. And I love that because seeing your kids and understanding them and making them feel emotionally safe is probably the greatest gift we could ever give our children. And Dr. Kaufman just basically breathes that naturally. If you want to Google a concept called emotion coaching with Dr. John Gottman, it's very similar to these concepts of emotional safety. And in my mind, the whole tough love thing of, you know, I tell my teenagers and my older children, I don't work with younger children very much, but that, you know, your parent's job is to do what's healthy and best for you. And so sometimes telling you no is the most loving thing that you can do. And for those of us who are people pleasers, that can be really hard, but sometimes you got to be a little cruel to be kind. Um, So Dr. Kaufman is also very vulnerable and honest about some of his own struggles and the importance of taking care of yourself as a parent and how that makes you a better parent when you're not fried and exhausted and overextending yourself and things like that. So I really appreciate his vulnerability and his investment and his willingness to share some of his wisdom in a broader context. I think you're probably going to find about a hundred pieces of wise advice during this podcast from him. So please get a pen and paper and I hope you learn as much as I did. Thanks for joining us. a very special guest, Dr. Alan Kaufman. Hi, Alan. Hey, Beth. How are you? Good. So wonderful to see you. And I'll just tell you a little bit of backstory of how I know Alan. I met Alan almost, we met Alan almost 16 years ago because we have a a son who's going to be 16 in about six months. And I, with my ADHD, I have trouble making decisions. And I can overthink things. And so I like to defer to experts that I trust. And so when our first son was born, I asked my OBGYN um, who she saw. And she saw you. And I was like, well, it's a no-brainer then. I'm going (laughs) to see him. And of course, um, we are so glad that he's been our family pediatrician for so many years. And we just know so many people who he's helped. And we collaborate. And Mm -hmm. 
professionally. So, um, and you're so kind to take part of your day off to yeah. do this. Well, this is a real treat. I mean, I love your family and love your parents. And so it's nice to kind of sit down and have this time together. I know. And that was one of the things that always stood out when we came to your office for appointments is you were always going above and beyond with all your patients. And you always had so many words of wisdom and so much great advice. And, you know, I could always wanted more time to hear your thoughts and knew that you were already probably being too generous with your time. So <laughs> I'm really excited to be able to pick your brain on the topic of tough love. Yeah. So I think the subtitle would be, uh, so you don't need our professional services for your children in the future is the, you know, why, we're, why we're having this conversation. Preventing <laughs> issues, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> preventing the need for counseling That's by right. being proactive. That's right. yeah. I love that. Yeah. Tough love is just such a huge, I don't know, philosophy that I think so many people don't understand. Mm -hmm. And many people, you and I were talking about codependency before we, we started out and, you know, for people pleasers and people with codependency, sometimes it's hard to set boundaries mm -hmm. and know mm -hmm. what tough love looks like. Yeah. And well, it takes, it takes energy. It's hard work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, uh, it takes a lot of insight into who you are and who your kids are. Mm. Um, and we have so many built in shortcuts culturally, um, and a lot of distractions. And, uh, <laughs> and then I think, you know, in the South, it's often bathed in your religious beliefs and religious training. And so it gets complicated to tease it all out. That's true. There's so many different aspects of it. So how would you sort of define or describe tough love? Well, I think very differently than most people kind of have it in their head. Cause I think, you know, most people will go to a punitive place that, um, you know, when someone that I'm interacting with and, and, you know, we're talking about our children, uh, makes a decision that's bad, then we need to have some type of negative reinforcement mm -hmm. so that they're going to think about, you know, that will remind them to never do that again. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of punitive stuff, uh, while, you know, there, there definitely need to be positive and negative consequences to actions and children need to learn, uh, based on those and experience those, I, I think, you know, like punitive parenting is probably the lowest form of parenting. You know, if you're looking at the kind of scale of, of, uh, complexity and effectiveness and, mm -hmm. um, you know, what fits it, it typically is probably not the right answer. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think the, one of the things that you, know, you mentioned, just the conversations that we've had, I, I think probably the number one reason I'm a pediatrician is because I feel very passionately about improving parents' competency and understanding the developmental stage of their child. Mm. And, and so, uh, you know, and I grew up in a, in a, a very loving, uh, but super religious family. My dad's a Church of Christ minister and my mom is mm -hmm. a sweet fourth grade history teacher and preacher's wife. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we grew up with the concept of, you know, very heavy John Lockean philosophy of, you know, the child is a, is a toddler rasa, a blank slate. And mm -hmm. it's on the parent to teach that child the right things and that to program have, them. yeah, program them and, and, <clears throat> and then spiritually to make sure that you're, um, letting God write on their heart, the right things. Um, and, 
you know, and I think that just doesn't really fit with what we know about, you know, psychology and child development. Mm. I think that, uh, you know, every person is different. Every child is different. Um, you know, what we know about genetics now is that our genetics actually adapt. You know, when I was in college, we were taught that humans only use about 10% of their genes. We know now that just about 10% of your genes are turned on at any given time hmm. and that your environment will affect that. So if you're, if you're in a famine and you're not getting enough food, you're the way that your body expresses genes and makes proteins will adapt. If you're, uh, if you experience trauma, the, your, the way that your body responds to stimulus will change your, wow. the autonomic nervous system, the part of your nervous system that you don't ever think about that mm -hmm. like manages how, how aware you are of your surroundings and how fast things are going through your GI tract and, and how quickly you can respond to stress that adjusts. And if you've been, for example, in an abusive home, your body will adapt to better manage your response to those stressors. Mm. And then if you have a child, your child will be pre-programmed to function in that high stress environment. And so, you know, it, it, I think understanding that all of our children <clears throat> have their own, I mean, they're their own person, um, they're going to have different personalities, they're going to have different strengths, different weaknesses, being aware of those as you parent them. You know, I, I, my mom was always very cognizant. She grew up in a family of five and she was very sensitive to being fair to everyone, you know, cause she was a second child and worried a lot as a child of, you know, I'm, it's not fair what, what's happening right now. And, and so, you know, I think if you're worried about being fair, you're probably parenting all your children incorrectly because, mm. you know, each child is completely different. Um, and I think it's very helpful for children as they get older that you, you know, reflect that you say, Hey, you're, you're different than your brother. You're different from your sister. Yes. Um, I parent you, I parent you not, you know, I don't do the standard thing. I care about you. I interact with you. This is our interaction. It's not my interaction with your sister. We customize our approach for right. each kid based on our reading. Of them. Correct. Yeah. And then, and then I think, you know, um, you know, from a religious standpoint, I grew up with kind of that, um, you know, that uh, innate depravity of man and that, you know, we're all evil and, and lost. And, and, you know, if you've hung out with an 18 month old, I totally get how you would have that <laughs> philosophy, but realizing that, you know, we know now that your prefrontal cortex is not formed. Um, and so when you're 18 months old, two years old, three year old, four year old, you're just responding to stimulus. And mm -hmm. so if something is shiny and has fancy buttons, you're going to want to push them. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if there's a lot of activity, you're going to be drawn to it. You're going to, mm -hmm. you know, if the fire truck is in the street, you're going to want to be in the street with the fire truck. And so, um, I think as you kind of walk through that, what, what I really look at is, uh, from a competency standpoint, a decision-making standpoint, where is my child, mm. you know? And so <clears throat> a lot of people will talk about rules, you know, where, we have rules in our household. Um, and I think that's a little lazy, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, with the best of intentions, people have rules because they believe if their children follow the rules, they'll be happy, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, rules are helpful in young children. It's helpful with 
you know, five, six, seven year olds as we kind of look to what's right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to think about boundaries uh, as opposed to rules. So mm. as I look at my child, you know, where are they at in their decision making competency? <clears throat> if my 18 month old keeps eating the dog food, you know, <laughs> I need to put up a boundary that you do not eat dog food. Mm-hmm. And, and an 18 month old is going to need to practice that. And the dog food is there and the dog loves it. So it must be good, you know, (laughs) and so they're going to keep going back to that experience. And so as a parent, I understand that they're struggling with that competency and I need to communicate that boundary in a clear way. Mm -hmm. I think most of us, uh, we tend to over talk with our children um, Mm -hmm. because I see them as an equal and uh, and some of that oversensitivity, uh, you know, that we were talking about earlier in that. You know, I really want them to understand why I'm doing this as a parent and mm-hmm. which is ridiculous. Like I'm 20, 30, 40, 50 years old. Why in the world would my three year old understand what my thinking is as a 20 year old or a 30 yes. year old? And and so really talking to them at an age appropriate level. So with an 18 month old, a two year old, a three year old, I'm being very direct. Mm. So I'm stopping them. And I use a lot of nonverbal uh, multi-sensory approach with young children. Uh, so I'll snap my fingers or I'll clap my hands or I'll mm. put my hand on their shoulder or their face to help that brain know that this is important. Mm. I will get proximity. I'll get down with them on the floor, mm. look them in the eye. There's fascinating research on how important that is yes. to get on their level. On their level. Yep. And then, and then being super direct, you know, that like, look at me, do not touch the dog food. And a lot of us will be like, honey, the dog food's not for you. It's for the dog. It'll make you sick. And then you'll have to go to the doctor and mommy and you'll be really sad. And that's the kid doesn't need that information. It just confuses them, you know? Mm. And so that very clear boundaries, clear expectations that are communicated in a way that the child can actually understand mm. decreases stress mm. because the boundaries are very clear. I know what's expected of me. Um, my parent is a trustworthy guide because you know, they show up when stuff is important. They come to me. They come to my level. They communicate in a way that I can understand. And therefore, I trust them, you know, mm. to, that their that their boundaries are helpful and good for me. Um, and then, you know, when you're you know, with with helping your kids be verbal, you know, I'm, when I read to them, when I'm playing with them, I use a lot of verbiage. Mm-hmm. But when you're drawing boundaries, I try to be very Concise. direct, very clear, That's you know, great. that what they're and what they're doing. And that, you know, you talk about tough love, that takes a lot of energy, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to be like, don't touch the dog food, don't touch the dog food, don't touch the dog food, don't touch the dog food. And I'm now I'm angry and I swoop in and I pop him on the butt and I yell at him about touching the dog food because I'll make him sick. That kid has no idea what's going on. I mean, wow. that's that's not age appropriate. You know, it makes me feel good. Yeah. Because I went in and I, I had tough love. I popped them on the butt <laughs> and they'll learn, mm-hmm. you know, but there's, there's no, you know, what, what is the boundary that you were worried about? Was it clearly communicated to the child? And am I engaged in a way that they trust me? Mm. You know, that method fails all of those tests of how am I, am I parenting? Um, and I think the other part of tough love is you know, really looking at, um, am I taking care of myself in the midst of being a parent? And, Mm. and so, you know, whether it's a three-year-old, 
that is highly verbal, thinks they're one of the parents is, you know, with moms, you know, that, that little three-year-old girl who thinks she's also mommy and mm -hmm. sees mommy as the source of all love and trusts her. But at the same time, mommy is my biggest uh, competitor for dad's affection. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a weird, it's a weird relationship. Mm -hmm. There's conflict there. Mm -hmm. And, and if I'm not comfortable living in that conflict, you know, I feel like I need to fix it. And I have so many parents at all, you know, parts of development who come in and really their question is, my kid's annoying me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> How do I change my child so that I'm not annoyed anymore? Wow. Yeah. And and so and a lot of that is kind of backing up and 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 I'll talk with parents and they don't even really know why they're annoyed. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know themselves well enough mm -hmm. to know. And typically the way I phrase it is, you know, in this interaction. So you living with this three-year-old, and usually it's as, I mean, I think a big inflection point with most parents is when they have two or three kids that are under the age of five at the same time, you know, that's when kids can communicate their wants. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, both those kids can tell you what they want. Um, they have, they love their parents. You know, typically the parents are the most interesting, the most fun, you know, people in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they are going to ask for interaction from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. And that is exhausting, mm -hmm. you know, and and then as a parent who's who is conscientious and loving and wants to do a good job, you know, you're going to try to meet that want. Mm -hmm. You know, I want I, they want me to be with them. They want me to be interactive. And a lot of times if you're a little codependent, like now I have purpose because, you know, mm -hmm. I am this child's parent. And and they need me, mm -hmm. and and so you get in those weird kind of things where you jettison all of your adult needs, so sleep, dating your partner, uh, quiet, you know, pooping without a two-year-old sitting in your lap, you know, <laughs> real adult needs that you give up, you jettison because this three-year-old is asking you to do it, and then you then you get frustrated because your basic adult needs are not being met. Mm -hmm. And and so and you're like, well, I don't want to do that because when I do that, my child gets they get sad or frustrated. And I think another part of of good, tough love is giving your kids permission to have the full emotional palate. So mm -hmm. so I think a lot of times, you know, I, I grew up in a household where um, being angry, being sad, being frustrated, those were bad things like those and probably sinful, you know, negative emotions, negative, you know, yeah, we don't want those. Yeah. You know? Those are not allowed. Push those house. down. Yeah. yeah. We don't, we don't get angry. Those are not acceptable. Yeah, right. yeah so we don't shove those down. Don't do those. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, if I'm a three-year-old and I want to put my mom's cell phone in the toilet and she doesn't let me do it, <laughs> I'm going to be frustrated, mm -hmm. you know, and that's reasonable. Yeah. I really normal. wanted to it's put the cell phone in the toilet. Yeah. You know, that would have been an interesting experiment. And, <laughs> and so when my mom comes and says, you can't put my cell phone in the toilet, I'm going to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. And so with that child, I try to give them permission to be frustrated mm -hmm. and it's your frustration. It's not my frustration. So the full emotional palette, like a palette of paint colors, right? Every emotion has a use and has a, a function purpose, and a right. purpose. Yeah. And it's important to be in touch with those. We don't always love our emotions, but right. they're important. 
They're important communicators. Yes. Um, they're important in telling you what's going on around like you. Like an alarm system. Yeah. What's going on in your body. Mm -hmm. um, they're important in relationships. Mm. You know, if the full, you know, if you're only painting with the positive emotions, it's only half a picture. And a half a picture doesn't make any sense. Right. And then if you can't trust your gut or trust your emotions and the information like this person makes me feel jealous or that experience makes me feel angry, then you could parents could be unintentionally setting their kids up for a lifetime of suppressing anger, not trusting their gut when they're like, this person makes me feel uncomfortable or right. violated or angry right. or like I'm being taken advantage <clears throat> of. Or even because this person doesn't make me happy, they don't love me. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, or that when I get angry or when I get frustrated, all the adults don't stop and come running to me. Right. You, you don't know? get to have everything you want. Right. All yeah. the time. Yeah. And and I think the and I think that's one of the things that um, helping all parents get more comfortable with that full emotional palette. Mm -hmm. Um and not taking responsibility for their children's emotions. Yeah. You know, so we're we're sitting at the dinner table mm -hmm. and my four year old gets frustrated or angry for I don't know why. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of tell parents, I always treat it like stubbing your toe. Mm. You know, so I look and I say, Okay, you seem angry. Mm -hmm. Why are you angry? Um, it looks like something you can handle. Mm -hmm. I trust you with this anger. And we're gonna go over here. Because we're eating dinner and we're not angry. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to go to your room. You're not in trouble. No one's mad at you. We're going to take a little break and you be angry. You work on that. And when you don't feel angry anymore, you come on back and we'll, we'll go on with the rest of our evening. Mm. And where it's, you know, the, and, and, you know, in teaching children to ask for help, you know, when I'm having trouble managing my frustration or having trouble, mm -hmm. you know, and you notice that that they struggle with frustration. And so how are we going to work on that? And some kids need a little more structure. You know, they mm -hmm. need a little more consistency in their day, you know, so that they know what's happening. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of times they need adjustment in parental communication. The parents are not communicating to the child in a way that is helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, they're talking over a child or, you know, talking like an adult. Mm -hmm. um, I see a lot of children that are smart enough and socially adapt enough that they actually try to keep up with that adultification that the parents are doing, you mm -hmm. know, and a lot of parents, I think, especially my more highly educated parents, uh, they think they're doing their child a favor by talking to them as an adult or mm. communicating with an adult. Mm -hmm. And that, that child, if they're smart too, will try to do that mm -hmm. and often take responsibility for things that they don't understand. They right. don't know what it means. And that creates anxiety. And and so, you know, I think when you're seeing those kind of things, paying attention to like, you know, how are we structuring this? What are the points around, mm -hmm. you know, the frustration and the anger? Um, and then I think reflecting where you're at and all that, you know, so I do a lot. Uh, all three of my children, very sensitive, you know, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so a lot of times when we were drawing boundaries, I would lead, especially his father, and as a six foot three, you know, 250 pound father uh -huh. um, with a deep voice, you know, I would lead with, <laughs> you're can not be intimidating. Yeah. But I would lead with, you're not in trouble. Mm. I'm, I am not angry with you. I'm not mad at you, but here's the boundary. And so I think that a lot of that, I mean, I have a lot of parents who feel like they have to get angry 
or their kids don't take their their rules mm-hmm. or boundaries seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, if your child is is responding to you out of fear, mm-hmm. that is a that's a dangerous place yeah. to be. Um, and then I th- I really tell parents, you know, once once we make the turn into adolescence, you know, mm-hmm. and 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 typically that preteen teenage years is when parents get very focused on tough love. You mm-hmm. know, we need to we need to like, you know, there need to be rules and we need to have consequences mm-hmm. and you know and and we need to think up something that's so bad that you'll never do that again. Yeah. You know? Um, and realizing that like in a, in most kids who are thoughtful and kind and conscientious, the the innate consequences of a bad decision are gonna typically do the deal yeah yeah yeah. you know there's nothing you're gonna add to it um and you need to be careful to not protect them from the consequences you know right they make a bad decision and that teacher is not gonna let them back in the class or uh those kids are never gonna be friends with them again you know i'm not gonna fix that you know yeah natural consequences are great teachers right right and then you know i think the big thing as we look at preteen years that kind of eight to twelve year olds you know, those kids are becoming their own person, you know, mm-hmm. so at eight, most kids are completely enmeshed with their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, when something happens, I want to know what mom and dad think about it. Mm-hmm. When you're 12, you want to go figure that out on your own. Yeah. And so you're a different person. And that requires some renegotiation of the relationships in the family. Ooh, that's a great word. Renegotiation. Yep. And you look at your typical 12 year old, they're not very good negotiators, you know, like they've never done that before. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a high level function mm-hmm. that they're wanting to do. And I think so many parents will read that renegotiation as disrespect, mm-hmm. you know, and then the other thing that's happening at 12, you know, 11, 12, is you're getting, you know, hormones, you're getting a lot more depth and, and quality and, uh, you know, amount amplitude to your emotions. Very tumultuous. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, and, and kids will often feel that and it's different and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they'll have magical thinking that this is probably mom's fault mm. and they, you know, and so they get angry with their mother because, mm. you know, she should have fixed this. She should have mm. made it go away. My wife, Joanne calls that stage of, you know, preteen and teenage parenting is it's always mom's fault part of the parenting. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, as you look at that, realize that that's where my kid is, mm-hmm. you know, they're trying to be their own person. They're trying to negotiate their new role in the family. Yeah. They're trying to learn emotional vocabulary to talk about their feelings. Mm-hmm. They're trying to have, you know, I think so many children need permission to, to talk about their feelings, you know, that they don't, especially firstborns, you know, they don't want to bother mom and dad, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to make mom upset. And so they don't talk about any of that and they just hold it in. And we talk a lot about, you know, preteens and teenagers taking out the trash emotionally, you know, Hmm. so they'll hold those emotions in and then they'll bring it to mom and they'll dump it all in mom's lap, you know, and dads hate that because they want to get in there and they like, oh, this is, this is, you know, intense or this is rough. Like I need to fix this. Mm -hmm. And often you dig through those trash bags and there's not really anything in there. You know, it's, there's Mm -hmm. nothing fixable. And, and so we talk a lot about you know, as a preteen parent, um, knowing that that's going to happen from time to time, mm. uh, really valuing the importance of just being a safe place mm-hmm. where your child can offload those emotions, 
and realizing just letting them do that is extremely helpful. Yeah. You know, that, oh, that's that, such an important point. Yeah. You know, validating that like, oh man, that, that seems hard, you know, yeah. Oof, you're really struggling with that. Or I'm really sorry that you are feeling that. that just, that's just mirroring, mirroring yeah. reflecting so back. Important. I yeah. heard you. It yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And not personalizing a bad mood or yeah. at the end of the day, they need to decompress or just vent. And like, it's not personal. They're not trying to be disrespectful. They're hungry. They're Correct. tired. Right. Yeah. And, and I think too, um, you know, I think probably my biggest disappointment in parenting was getting to that stage in parenting and seeing that book of work. Hmm. You know, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy, you know, and it's always when you're the tiredest, you know, so it's always Thursday night at nine o'clock at night mm -hmm. or 11 o'clock at night. You know, that's when that stuff bubbles up and to be in a place where I have the energy to deal with that and to not take it personally. You know, mm -hmm. um, for me, I think that was probably the final motivator that I started actually getting enough sleep at nighttime, hmm. you know, just because I, I was like, I can't be tired. I can't be exhausted at every day at seven, eight o'clock in the day because that's when my teenage girls emotionally offload stuff. Like and, if I'm never at my best in the two hour period that I'm with my kids the most, right. that's not going to be it's not good. Great. Yeah. So when you said that was the most disappointing chapter or stage in your parenting, were you saying their teenage years when they started getting more grumpy or, or what? No, I think realized like just the amount of work, like I thought that the work was going to decrease, oh, you know, yeah. You know, like we had been spending all this time running around, you know, we were big into gymnastics uh -huh. um, and other sports and lacrosse and basketball. And so we we're spending all this time running around doing all these activities and we were super involved in, you know, fundraisers for the team and all uh -huh. the school activities and helping with homework. And I thought we'd, we'd hit middle school and, you know, and, and they're going to actualize their learning and they're going to be directing their own homework and, you know, they're going to have their friends uh -huh. and they're going to want to be with their friends. And, you know, they'll offload all this stuff with their friends and, you know, they want to know what their friends think, not what we think. Uh -huh. um, and so, you know, they'll be doing all that stuff. And then now, now we have some time where we can go do our things. Mm -hmm. So while they're going doing their activities, we can go do our activities and realizing that, no, 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 this they is getting need you a lot. Oh, a ton. And it's, and it's not physical, you know, it's not like when they're three where you're chasing around on the playground mm -hmm. and you're, you know, cleaning up their blocks and you're, you know, getting the lipstick off the mirror that they drew all, all over, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, this is, this is heavy duty, emotional, uh, heavy duty, adult, personal development work mm -hmm. that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and that takes a lot more energy, you yeah. know? And I just think in our culture, in our American culture, we just, you know, we have some markers with girls about moving into that stage. Mm -hmm. We just don't have those kind of markers with boys. Mm -hmm. And then we do not give parents credit for any of that work, you know, you're just mm -hmm. supposed to like magically throw it on the pile. Um, and I think, you know, there's this fantasy that, that like, you know, parenting is this blessing and, you know, and your kids are a joy and I've got this quiver full of angels from God and, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, and yeah, that, that some of that's true, mm -hmm. but it's hard work. Mm -hmm. I mean, parenting is tough. Yes. And, and then, and I, and, you know, I don't want to offend your parents. I don't want to offend my parents, but this generation of grandparents, I think are the worst in the history of grandparenting, <laughs> you know, if I can say that. And, and I think the reason is, is because 
they were very rules oriented. Wow. You know, they, they, they had rules. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I didn't have a lot of options. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when I went to college, there was the, the faith-based school that my parents went to, and there was the state school. Those were my two choices. Mm. You know, both my girls are in college now, and we looked at hundreds of choices wow. in regards to what, you know, mm-hmm. so it's more complicated. Yes. I think that stresses out our parents mm-hmm. because there's just so many choices. Um, and that sense of like, you just can't make mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. it, the, mm-hmm. our expectations are so ridiculously high mm-hmm. as Americans that, you know, we just, you can't make a mistake. You got to do it all perfect or your mm-hmm. life is not good. You're going to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the more you can move away from that as a parent that, you know, I'm going to make, you know, I, I make thousands of mistakes a day mm. as a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't see how, you know, someone who doesn't have a good grace theology, I don't know how they parent, you know, it's mm-hmm. you're just, I love that. Just know. being compassionate with yourself. Oh, like yeah. this is so hard right. and we are so tired and yeah. we're so busy and kids and are paying attention to that, you know, yeah. you know, that like, if I'm not tired, you know, it's Thursday night, it's five 30. I am exhausted. Um, you guys are going to get Captain Crunch and we're all going to bed at six o'clock. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's okay. Like yeah. you're listening to the system. You yeah. know, that's what the system could do that night, you know? Yes. And, and I think, you know, and that's such a good lesson for kids mm-hmm. to, to watch that yes. you know, as you, as you go along. Yeah. Like you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to, you know, you, you can role model limits, boundaries. Yeah. I'm tired to your point about being codependent, sometimes the most dutiful, conscientious parents forget that they're role modeling to their kids a lot of people pleasing, yeah. no self care. Right. Like mom has no hobbies, mom never relaxes. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, sometimes people don't even want to do that for themselves. They just realize I've had parents be motivated. Oh, I better start self caring so I can teach my kids to self care, not because right. I need it. Right. Yeah. And, the, you know, and what is the lesson that like, you know, mom and dad work so hard and they're always so tired when they get home and they're asking us as six year olds to to be adults and kind of run the house and keep the house, you know, orderly when they're, you know, when they're there and we can't really play when they're around mm-hmm. because they're so tired. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think those kind of open systems where you're really looking at like how how are we all interacting with each other mm-hmm. <clears throat> and kind of the, you know, the airplane uh, model too, where you know, you're on the airplane, you hit some turbulence and the mask comes down, you know, mom and dad have to put the mask on first Yeah. because if they go down, kids not going to do well, you know, exactly. And, and so that, that kid's mask might be on perfectly, but if mom and dad are passed out, then the kid doesn't know what to mm-hmm. do. And, and I think, you know, seeing where you're at in each of those times, and that's where I think the tough love piece comes in is because slowing yourself down, so mm-hmm. that you're, you're able to pay attention to where you're at, where your children are at. Mm-hmm. That's a discipline, mm-hmm. you know, to go slow. Um, you know, comparison is such the enemy of joy, you know, and, mm-hmm. and in this era of, um, you know, Sunday morning sitting in church, everybody comparing themselves to each other, mm-hmm. Facebook, Instagram, you know, all of that, that, that comparison just eats your soul and eats your joy because you're doing these things for how you appear, not for who you actually are or who you, you know, you want to become. Um, and I think that just is such a joy stealer for so many people. Um, and then when there's so many activities, it's hard as a parent because you talk to your compadres that are at the same stage 
and you're like, oh, my friend is doing Spanish immersion swim lessons with their 12 month old. Should <laughs> I be doing that? Like, am I a bad parent because yes. I'm not doing that? And there's so much of that that, I mean, you can really, you can wear yourself out just worrying about, you know, all oh, these yeah. things. I love that phrase. And it it's such a great segue into one of the main missions I am on with my podcast and Never Perfect is that we all have different package deals. We all have different lots in life. We have different right. strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, just because they're doing the Spanish immersion swimming lessons, you might say, well, but they don't ever do crafts with their kids or they don't cook or you just can't do it all. Right. And we think we want it. Some of us want to do it all. But, you know, you're not supposed to be good at everything. You're not supposed to do everything. You have to choose what am I passionate about? Right. And so that whole thing, comparison is the enemy of joy. That's so good. Like, you know, let's not compare in negative ways. We can we can maybe notice the differences in people's yeah. passions, their hobbies, how they choose to spend their time. Right. Some people say, I'd rather be at home watching TV or relaxing at night. And others would say, I'd rather be gone five nights a week playing three sports, yeah. you know, but you can't do it all. Well, and I think leveraging your friends in that, you know, um, I like to go on awesome hikes once every quarter, mm -hmm. but I, and I have good friends that are hiking every weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I asked them like, Hey, our family wants to go on a hike with you guys. What's your best hike? Mm -hmm. And so I benefit because they know the best hike, right? They've sampled them. They've all. done it all. You know, they know how to pack snacks for a hike. They know what a four-year-old can do on the trail. I don't know any of that Learn stuff. Learn from their specialization. Yeah, yeah. and enjoy it. Like, yeah. go enjoy that with that family and be a bonding experience, you know. Um, our family is very table-centric, you know. Uh-huh, um, foodies. Foodies, yeah, we like to eat. And that's always been a thing, you know. Mm -hmm. And and so, uh, you know, we have a broad, everybody's got broad palates because that was the expectation. I think genetics was also there. and. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing my kids love more as adults now than coming home and, you know, being in the kitchen and, you know, chopping up stuff and cooking and, you know, and snacking and sitting down for a big table and spending three hours telling all the same stories. And, the, you know, and those and that was important to my wife. Mm -hmm. You talk about tough love, like for 15 years, that sucked, mm -hmm. you know, like having teenagers around the table, you know, and getting the like, yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know. And, and an amazing thing, like if you had asked me when they were, you know, nine, 11 and 13, you know, and, and Joanne, my <laughs> wife was always very, that was her thing is like, we are going to, you know, four nights out of the week, we are going to stop and we're going to have family dinner. And with my job, you know, sometimes that was at eight o'clock at night, mm -hmm. but, but we did it. Wow. And it was hell most of the time. To get you know, it all done. Oh, and, made, and it was a train wreck. Cleaned up. Yeah. And why train yeah. wreck in what way? Oh, you're at the table and, you know, and people are arguing and, <laughs> you know, and you're trying to have these conversations and you're getting like single syllable answers and, you mm. know, and then everybody's grumpy and then somebody's fighting with each other and somebody's chewing too loud. <laughs> and, and, you know, but now my kids look at, and, and their vision of that it, now as adults is, I mean, they, they think it was some kind of magical nirvana, you know. It's called where, idyllic recall. That's exactly right. Yes. Yeah. But it's a fundamental like pillar of their identity in our family. And it and it brings them back, you know, wow. like they want to come back, like they could come back to the nest 
because of that foundational pillar in their in their childhood. Um, Amazing. And and I think you know in looking at um, you know, I. I, I I really enjoy, I mean, I love coaching. I mean, we were talking about that earlier. That's just one of the things that I, I really enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And I think like teaching, coaching? teaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, and helping people kind of see themselves and see where they're at. And, mm -hmm. and I think so many times, um, you know, where, where the tough love piece, you know, so early childhood, when they're putting my cell phone in the toilet, I want, you know, how do I fix that through tough love? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, as, as kids become adults, I, I, as a conscientious parent, I, I want them to be safe. I want them to be happy. I want them, you know, to, to reach their potential, you know, as a person of faith, I want them to continually become who God created them to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think, you know, we, we were also talking earlier just about how important it is for parents to be self-aware of the fantasy they have of their child. You know, so we all have this idyllic version of ourselves. We have an idyllic version of our children. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you can crush that thing mm -hmm. and get rid of it, I think the better parent you're going to be. Yeah. I think most people come to terms during preteen and teen years. That's usually when most people come to terms with who their kid is. Mm -hmm. And and I think the more resources you have, I think the longer you can push out that coming to terms. I think, you know, my parents are in their eighties and I think they still have a very strong fantasy about who I am, you know, mm -hmm. that is not who I really am. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think the, you know, the more you can really look at your kids and come to terms with like, I am comfortable, you know, and I do think you have to grieve it. I think you mm -hmm. have to come to terms with like, this child is not my fantasy mm -hmm. and, and grieving that like, really like, you know, I wanted them to be an athlete or because mm -hmm. I'm an athlete and I really wanted to play golf with them all the time mm -hmm. or I'm a foodie and they don't really have much of a palate exactly. and they don't enjoy it. Or I like to read and they hate reading, you know, and, or they're, you know, I am an academic and I have a medical degree and they're, they don't really get, academics. they want to be an artist. Yeah. And I wanted them to go to med school. Right. And, and I think, you know, coming to terms with that and, and, and not like you're giving up, but mm -hmm. that like I see you mm -hmm. and and I think as far as like you say okay Alan how do I guarantee that my kid grows up healthy and and we have a healthy relationship mm. I think the better you see yourself and the better you see your child for who they really are that's probably the most important thing as you as you go through that and mm. amen yeah love uh, it well and I think that's you know if you're coming from a place of my child is a blank slate and it's on me to write that mm -hmm. or that they're depraved and I need mm -hmm. to help God save them. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. There's a lot of stuff you have to get through to get to that real person that's there. Yeah. You know, and and I think that love affair starts for real at about two months, mm -hmm. you know, as you really start to see their personality. Mm -hmm. And and I have a lot of parents because I'll play around with parents and I'll kind of predict, you know, at definitely by six months you can see a kid's personality mm -hmm. and i'll be like well this is who this kid is you know mm -hmm. and the parents will come back 15 years later and they're like holy moly how did you do that you know it's like well because i'm looking at your child you know and it's hard for parents because you have all of this um this fantasy about you know who you want your child to be you know and yeah and then i think the um you know when it gets really hard is when they start talking about serious stuff 
Mm-hmm. So it's one thing when it's, you know, addition or um, what time do I eat dinner or how much Fortnite am I going to play? Mm-hmm. But when they start talking about like, who do I love? Mm-hmm. Um, what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about my spirituality? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, those things as a parent, it induces a lot of stress because you're like, this is important, you right. know, and, and I want to make sure that you get there. And the truth is you do not have any control over Mm-mm. that. You and know? if you try to control it, it will backfire Correct. and not be healthy for your relationship or for them. Right. And you talk about tough love. That's tough. Yes. You know, that I, I'm going to letting go, letting go of that. Yeah. Because, because the illusion we have of Americans, I mean, the pandemic with COVID-19 has been such a great, you know, visualization of it. We think we have control over this yes. stuff, you know, and, 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 and those of us who have a little bit of resources are, are even worse. You know, mm-hmm. we think we can control it all. You know, I, I mean, I look at like the vaccination for COVID-19, the mm-hmm. fact that we came up with a brand new vaccine that was, that was a, you know, 10 year old technology that had never really been used for anything. And we got 160 million people vaccinated in the U.S. in six months is such a that's like a crazy not just going to the moon, but that's like, you know, going Unheard to Jupiter of, kind of. Yeah, in every way. Unbelievable. And, and we sit around as Americans and we're like, oh, I'm so frustrated. We haven't vaccinated everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a that's a that's going to take years, mm-hmm. you know, but we think we can just like flip this switch. And we're all mad at everyone because they're not doing what we think they should be able to do Mm -hmm. because we should be able to control a viral pandemic that's worse than anything that's happened in 100 years. And we can't control when our cats decide to take a really long poop in the litter box. (laughs) She's scratching at it for five minutes. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it's true. That illusion of control. And it's it's so dangerous and so unrealistic and so damaging. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, the the probably the most common thing I see is that illusion of control puts these artificial, very short time constraints on what we want to see our kids do, you know? Mm. So my kid is um, starting ninth grade. They're in high school. Mm. It's, it's all on the record now. This is important. And they're having a hard time figuring out academics. And so mm-hmm. I want this, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a 20 minute conversation. I call it sitcom parenting where, mm. you know, we're going to have a conflict. We're going to talk it out. And then we'll laugh about it and the audience will clap and it's all resolved. Mm. Like that's the fantasy we have as a parent that we're going to address these issues, you know, where what I'm dealing with is a person who is trying to decide, you know, what, what kind of student am I? What, why do I need to be a student? What do I want to do with my life? Like what ongoing journey? Yeah. I mean, that takes decades, you know, and, and, and to be able to, to sit and say, okay, I'm going to show up right now. For this person, not the fantasy kid that's in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about them. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about my professional frustration. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd gotten my master's degree right after I finished college. Mm-hmm. And I wish I'd actually gone to a better college than the one I went to. And you're projecting all of this garbage onto your kid about this one little thing. When they need you just to show up and sit and be humble, like, honey, I don't, I don't know what I can do about this, but I hear you. I know it's hard. Um, you know, the outcome of that was not what you expected. It's not what I expected. Um, and this is your life. Yeah. This is, you have a right to make mistakes and do trial and error all the way through your life. Just like we're all doing all the way through life. Like, 
why should we project our movie onto our kids yeah. blank slate so to speak and even worse to say if you don't follow my script i'm going to stop loving you oh yeah you and know? the disapproval i, I yeah. know so many kids that i've seen in my office that just feel that sense of deep disappointment that right. their parents have whether it is something as simple as the way you dress yeah. like oh i can't wait to have a daughter I'm going to be dressing her in bows and special little sundresses her whole life. And guess what? You get a daughter that likes to dress like a tomboy. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't want my daughter to cut her hair short. I mean, it's like devastation that your daughter cut her hair short. And it's like, why are you so invested? Like sit back and watch them unfold and express themselves. Yeah. And if they have a bad haircut, they're the ones that are going to really suffer the consequences right. if it was but they're allowed to make mistakes yeah and i and i think that you know parenting is not a destination you know it is an adventure mm. and and i think and you can and you can say i mean you know my, i have a really horrific personal example just in that like you know in, when my dad retired from preaching after 52 years mm -hmm. we had a big uh, retirement celebration and i'm the oldest of three boys mm -hmm. and he actually got up at his at his retirement, you know, and I was, I'd probably been a pediatrician for 10 years and had a very successful practice. And, uh, he got up at his retirement and said his biggest professional disappointment was that I was not a church of Christ minister. No. Um, you know, and that, that was his biggest regret in his whole professional career, oh. you know? And, and I was at a point where I was like, you know, I'm okay. He's, he's silly old man, you know, but, but, <laughs> you know, brush it off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but, but but I think so many parents have that kind of piece is that, you know, if if we don't if we don't set these high expectations for you, mm -hmm. then you're going to be mediocre and mm. and and you're wasting your life or the the spiritual twist is on that is like, you know, you're a five talent person and God's going to be disappointed if you bury those talents in the ground, mm -hmm. you know. And so it just builds this like just completely unrealistic, very stressful approach to mm -hmm. to what you're doing. Um and I think that the what kids need is they need to know that mom and dad are present, you know, mm. and that, that I'm going to be here with you, you know, in all this, it is hard because you have to be careful that I'm not enabling, mm -hmm. you know, that, you know, you're scared. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to enable you to avoid something, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. you're scared of something, um, knowing your children as you, as you kind of walk through that. But, but I think, um, you know, giving yourself, um, you know, letting go of that perfectionism mm -hmm. and that, you know, not just make mistakes, but you're not doing the optimal thing mm -hmm. that I think you need to be doing. Um, and, and I think again, you know, it, it all comes back to clear expectations, mm -hmm. you know, and clear communication mm -hmm. of where you're at. We were talking about college choices earlier, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that sense of, uh, you know, here, here's what, how I'm going to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I have so many parents that, you know, they set those high bars mm -hmm. and, don't talk about the pragmatics and then their kid actually gets into Columbia mm -hmm. and they have to have the conversation of, well, you can't go to Columbia because we can't afford going to mm -hmm. Columbia, you know, and that's really hard in March of your senior year. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a conversation that should have happened probably in January of your junior year in regards mm -hmm. to, you know, what, what we're going to do. Budgets. And, yeah. 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 And, and so, and then I think the other thing with teenagers, as far as tough love goes mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, so many parents want their kids to like them, mm. you know, and, and so like my rubric at when they're three is I want them to be happy, hmm. you know, and then I lose myself trying to make my three-year-old happy. 
And then when we get to 13, it's that I want my 13 year old to like me. Mm. And so, you know, 13, 14, 15 are very much like three in that we're super narcissistic. Mm. We're getting all these new skills. Like I can say things and I can do things. And why won't my parents let me do them? Whether it's when I'm three, putting my mom's cell phone in the toilet, or when it's when I'm 13, going out on a date with a 16 year old, you know, mm-hmm. why won't they let me why do, do you these keep things? Stopping me. Stopping me. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we're blessed enough that most of us find ourselves in a culture where 16 year olds are driving $70,000 trucks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we go to a, a school where, you know, people have resources and, and they go on these trips. Like, why can't I go on this school trip to, you know, Alaska and ride with sled dogs, mm-hmm. like all my friends are mm-hmm. doing, you know? Um, and, and I think, you know, to oversimplify it horrifically, you know, those teen years, a lot of parents see tough love as we're going to become Alcatraz Island. You know, mm. I'm not going to let you have any responsibility and we're going to lock it down. And that way you'll never make any mistakes, you know, and then you'll, you'll have no freedom and you'll be safe. You know, you'll be safe and and, and I can, I'm going to protect your heart. You know, we, I'm going to protect that tender heart and you're going to be safe. And, and then, you know, and we have the opposite end of the extreme, which is, you know, kind of the don't ask, don't tell parents, you know, mm-hmm. or as long as you don't embarrass the family, I'll let you do what you Free want. Brain yeah, versus you know. prison. Right. And so, you know, and for me, I think, you know, uh, tough love parenting is being out in the middle of that, mm. you know, where, uh, you know, I talk about adolescence, the, the three goals for adolescence is that number one, you figure out who you are, you know, so I'm going to put you in situations like we're going to do activities, sports, instruments, um, you know, outdoor stuff. We're doing academics. We're doing just the social aspects around our community and school. And, mm-hmm. and then, and we're, we're digging into, you know, what is religious orthopraxy mean and what does your spirituality mean and and the whole point of adolescence is to you know make some mistakes take some risks ask hard questions uh Mm. about you know who am i and you know and and as a parent as your child is mature enough sharing who you really are you know Mm. i'm not the authority figure that knows what's right all the time Mm -hmm. like i'm a you know perfectionist over functioner who's codependent and uh, likes to eat a little too much and you know has <laughs> a hard, real has a hard time with boundaries like this is who I am yeah you know? I'm not perfect right um, and then the second thing is that your kids need to learn to see the world in a healthy way so when they're eight they come to you and ask you what's going on when they're you know 13 14 15 they're out there trying to figure it out on their own mm. and then that's going to be very binary because they have limited experience mm. I always talk about Adolescents are kind of like if you came to my house and you'd never had a soft drink and I gave you some grape soda and because I spent some formative years in Atlanta, I say, you want a Coke, Mm -hmm. you will then think all Coke tastes like grape and you will argue about it because you have had a Coke and it tastes like grape. Mm -hmm. And, and so you have no idea, but, but that binary thinking is such a challenge for teenagers because Mm -hmm. they're trying to make everything good, bad, holy oh, evil put things in black put the, and white yeah. categories i'm trying to figure all this stuff this is out good, this is this, bad yeah, yeah you're a horrible parent you're the best parent on the planet those are the only two categories you know mm-hmm. this is the greatest school that's ever been invented this is a piece of crap school that that no one should ever go to you know and, and as you listen to teenagers if you know that you'll hear it you know and and as a parent especially as a father 
it's hard to not jump in and say like, that's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? And, but you have to, I tend to, with teenagers, I tend to use phrases like, you know, oh, I totally see how you would think that. Mm -hmm. Or when I was 14, I thought the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that you're spending so much time thinking about that. Like, that's very interesting what you put together there, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my girls called it the, the dad question, you know, and then I would ask, okay, I get it that you think that now what about this ah. and they would always get really frustrated like oh we thought we had it figured out and then and so so knowing yourself learning to see the world and then knowing who i am and what's going on around me making competent decisions and what and that's so good because you validate them before you challenge them instead of challenge challenging them first they're not going to really listen if they feel like dad didn't hear me he didn't validate me right he he is really just disagreeing with me instead. Like I hear what you're saying. That's a good point. But have you considered a different way of looking at this? Right. Well, and I think it's like, you know, looking at the education model, you know, when your kids in middle school, they're not just having to memorize everything. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to middle school, they're teaching you to, to think and to yeah, reason to engage, to engage. With the yeah. material. And so what you're trying to do is help them engage with themselves, mm-hmm. engage with the world around them. And so you don't say like, okay, Okay, let's talk about what are we talking about? Uh, red sauce is good, uh, beer is bad. Um, uh, people from China are are all intelligent. You know that that is a very short sighted way to to raise your kids. Yeah, just tell them what to think. What to think? Yeah, and 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 you talk about tough love. That is tough to sit there with a very immature view of the world. You know, and I tell mm-hmm. folks, you know, kind of that process of knowing yourself. Most girls by 20 ish have a good sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. Guys, it can take a lot longer, mm-hmm. you know, 23, 25, mm-hmm. 29. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my parents are in their 80s and I don't know that they know themselves too well yet. <laughs> but, um, and then that process of learning to see nuance, mm. you know, I think cult- culturally, our, our biggest problem right now as a country, other than our unrealistic ex- ex- expectations for life, um, is that you know, we're a country that can't do nuance. You know, mm. we can't have those hard discussions where there's not a right and a wrong, you know. Um, it's hard to sit in limbo for a lot of people. Yeah. To be undecided. Have an open hand about yeah. a topic. Um, and then I think, and then coming back to that competency piece, mm-hmm. as you see your kids being competent in their decision making, then giving that responsibility to them, you know. Mm-hmm. And my goal as a parent is that I can give 100% of the decision-making capacity to my child. And, you know, I have one child that was probably there at 14. You mean ready to make good decisions? could go off. I mean, we could go on vacation and she could be home for a week as a 14-year-old and the house would be better than it was when we left. So she could have lived independently at age 14 probably. Yeah, I mean, very confident in her Mm -hmm. decision-making. I have, you know, one that, she was probably 20 ish before she got there. Mm-hmm. And then I've got one who probably will never get there, you know? <laughs> and, and so, and, and, and so where I'm letting them, where I'm drawing the boundaries with them at this point is different. And they don't like that. You know, I get a lot of feedback of that's not fair, not fair. You know, you're not parenting her the way you parented me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that leads into a conversation. I mean, sometimes I'll just say, well, you know, uh, I'm the parent you know, the end, mm-hmm. you know, but when I have time, if they're open to, you know, especially the, the girls are at a point where they're thinking about like, how do I want a parent? Mm-hmm. And, and, 
and they're saying it out of not just trying to you know be a lawyer and negotiate a better deal mm-hmm. on their end they're really mm-hmm. saying it out of you know i want to learn why you did that and so we'll talk about it you know but i think you know being comfortable with the fact to say well um you know you're not ready you're not really asking me why i'm doing it this mm-hmm. way so you're just trying to and so i'm going to say we're not going to have that conversation i'm the parent you're all different i yeah i'm going to parent you differently yeah um you have different strengths and weaknesses right. that one that maybe isn't as ready to live independently or or have great judgment may have a lot of other strengths that the the one that was ready to live on Correct. our own had at 14 like you know different package deals yeah yeah and 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 you know and and she the one that was ready to live on her at 14 i mean she's got some anxiety issues and mm-hmm. she's in control you know she struggles with control and and those benefit her in making good competent exactly. decisions but they also create a lot of problems too you know right. and so you know, yeah some people can't loosen up they're so responsible and so conscientious or perfectionistic right. that they don't enjoy life or they can't have fun or they can't be spontaneous right. so i love that like just being honest and modeling that and you're saying you know some of your struggles or issues you have that mm-hmm. hypothetical of well dad eats a little too much and is a little codependent you know right but they know all the amazing, wonderful qualities that you have, but to have all your kids say, hey, this is your strong point, this is your strong point, you're hardworking in this area, you're hardworking in this area, you're a little irresponsible in this way, and we all can just see ourselves and accept the fact that we have good and bad, strong, you know. Well, and I think, I like, you know, that this is a challenge for you. A growing edge. Yeah, you know. and 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 there's no value there's not a value statement there mm-hmm. you know it's not like this is you're less because you have this mm-hmm. challenge or she, you, she's Just you're different she's more yeah and and i think um and then that has to connect with as you talk with it, more and more honesty and 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 to me maturity is getting a more uh truthful deeper understanding of who you are accurate yeah accurate um and as you do that 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 connects to you're then able to love yourself more mm. um because you know i i love these things about yeah. myself you know and i'm very comfortable in them yes and and you know i i i love to eat i also want to live a long healthy life and mm-hmm see my grandkids and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And so I have some discipline mm-hmm. that I put in there, but it's because I love myself. It's not because I hate how I look and I want to, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think people would enjoy me more if I, you know, wore a different waist size pants, you mm-hmm. know, it, it really is like, you know, I love myself immensely. I'm extremely grateful to God for what he's created in me. I care about my welfare and my well being. Yes. Well, and I think that that piece of, um, you know, I, 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 and I want to be sensitive. I mean, you know, for me, I come at it with a deep sense of faith mm-hmm. and, and I believe that, you know, all of, all of this is created. It's all an expression of, uh, you know, a creative genius mm-hmm. that, that I enjoy more and more every day. My own personal experiences mm-hmm. is I've made mistakes and I've, I've had success and I've seen how, who I am that has given me a deeper sense of appreciation for the genius of me, of who, who I'm created as. Mm-hmm. That's been my biggest enjoyment as a parent, mm-hmm. is having a front row seat for that process of 
one, me experiencing who my kids are and then seeing them experience themselves and get more comfortable with that idea and, and not worrying so much about, you know, how am I compared to other people? And, you know, and, and that end result of like, you know, I'm presenting this thing that I want you to see, cause I think that's what you'll like. And, and just being comfortable with like, this is me. And, mm-hmm. and if you don't like it, okay. Yes. You know, you know, and, and, uh, that's exactly what I want. So many of these teenagers and, and really people of any age, cause some people never get there. They're right. 80. They've never gotten there. Right. Um, but to say, okay, I'm, I'm making a study of who I am and appreciating my, my package of strengths and weaknesses. And I like who I am. I value who I am. And I know that that who I am is going to be well received in some way. If I can just sort of allow myself to manifest or develop mm-hmm. in a healthy environment within yourself, right? Like your parents are obviously the biggest first part of providing that healthy, like what would you call the aquarium, like a, the equilibrium or the, mm-hmm. the balance in an aquarium, mm-hmm. like the parents provide that, but we have the to start environment. environment. Yeah. yeah. We have to start doing that for ourselves too. Right. And so if we like and accept who we are, then we project that onto the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we just believe that we have something to offer and that we're likable and we have value. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, um, and that may only be yourself mm. that, you know, the only person that may ever like you is you, yeah. you know, I mean, it, it, it's, uh, and, and I think, um, and, 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 and that's it, enough and it's enough. Yeah. I mean, and, and then, and I think too, um, giving yourself the permission to go explore those things. And, mm-hmm. and to me, I, I think that's the beauty of family, uh, mm-hmm. whether you have children or not, if you're just banging up against, you know, your aunts and uncles and your siblings. And, um, it, there is the, 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 that's a, that's a stress where, you know, you have to figure out what you need, you know, mm-hmm. and then, you know, definitely in my experience, having children stress that tremendously. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I was an overachiever, you know, the answer was always work harder. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when, when we had, um, our kids were five, three and six months. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we literally stepped over the line and I broke, I mean, mm. it just, you know, it was too much. Um, like a little mini nervous breakdown. Just, well, I, you know, I, I am stupid enough that, um, I don't, that existential despair. I'm not smart enough to have that. I don't think it's like <laughs> the, um, but it was just this stark reality of like, there's nothing else that I can do, you know? Mm. And, and that was, that was just such a shock. Like I'm fried. Yeah. Well, I mean, literally like, like I'm, I got to the point where there was nothing of me, you know, it was all, it was the work, it was the study, it was the practice, it was parenting, it was the uh, marriage, it was supporting others. And like was, I've lost myself. Yeah, lost it all. You know, and and everyone wants more, mm. and there's not anything else. You know, so what do you do? Like, what do I do now? Yeah, you know that that um, you know I'm doing everything that I know to do. I was told at some point this would all make sense and I would be happy, mm. but I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just really tired. Um, like I'm spent, and somehow it's never enough. Like never it, enough. Yeah. yeah, I can't feel all my wife's needs. I can't feel all my kids needs. I can't 
solve every problem in the office, every patient. Well, in the sense of like, you know, I I think what I was kind of taught was, you know, if you just, you know, God's not going to present stuff that you can't do. And so if you've got this good stuff showing up, you need to do it. And if you, you know, if you've got the talent, you need to put it on the table. And yeah, you think if there's a will, there's a way, Yeah, but that's not always true. Oh yeah. And, and then, um, and then just the sense of that, uh, you know, the greatest, uh, the greatest being is service. You know, if, if you can be of service to another person, especially to a child mm-hmm. that, that you are, that is the highest form of love. And, and if you have a life full of service to others, then, then your life is full of love. And, mm-hmm. and that is what you're, that's what you're searching if for. You give, 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 you'll get a lot back. Yeah. That, but you that, don't No, it's, it's not, Sometimes. it's not there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the, if the vending machine has good stuff, people keep pulling the lever and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and eventually there's nothing left in the vending machine. Mm. And so, and that was, you know, a couple candid conversations. And frankly, that's, that's when I met your mom and, and she was very instrumental in, um, you know, kind of guiding me on four years of pretty hard work, uh, mm. just digging into that stuff. And, and I think, you know, when you talk about tough love, kind of coming back and, you know, really starting to shave off stuff that was good, mm-hmm. you know, international mission trips and, um, you know, how many hours I was spending working in the office and um, even stuff like, um, you know, uh, m- my wife and I had going on dates regularly, you know, mm-hmm. that was people were annoyed. I mean, you know, in fact, it, it, it completely disrupted our relationship with everyone that was in our religious circle because we were seen as kind of letting down that religious group because because you had date night uh no uh because you know we weren't gonna participate in vbs oh because you set boundaries and say i don't have the bandwidth for something correct oh well we actually ended up doing a we took a year off Mm. so we said with with any um, volunteer stuff. We're going to take a year. We're going to take a Sabbath from volunteering <laughs> and, and we're going to, I'm going to go to work and pay the bills and then I'm going to come home and we're going to take care of each other and we're going to start setting some boundaries around the kids, you know, and on what we're going to do and, and allocating resources for stuff that I probably would have said was frivolous, you know? Wow. Um, and, and so, uh, and in doing that and taking a year's Sabbath from like church work, um, the church leadership we were at at the time didn't tolerate that. And, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was a very hard time, Oh my goodness! you know? Yeah. So we really lost like our kind of this, our religious social community. Yeah. Um, we, we lost at that point. See, and that's heartbreaking because that is not tough love for them to not want, I call it doing what's healthy and in your best interest. Right. So I tell people all the time, your parents' job is to do what's healthy and in your best interest. And your job and my job and everyone's job is to do what's healthy and best. That's not always what you want. Right. It's what you need and what's good for you. And so I say anyone who loves you should want you to make healthy choices. Mm-hmm. And that was a healthy choice for you all to say, I'm listening. I'm burned out. I have compassion fatigue. We're struggling in whatever way. We need to cut back. Yeah, they have every right to say, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. We're going to miss you. But you need to do what is good for you. Mm-hmm. And we trust you. And you have a right to make healthy choices and change your mind. I give people all the time this thing called the personal bill of rights. Mm-hmm. 
You'll love it if you have never seen yeah. it. But I have the right to change my mind. I have the right to change and grow. I have the right to be uniquely myself. I have the right to, to um, say no to requests and demands I can't meet. Mm -hmm. I have the right to per personal space and time. But if someone truly loves you, they're not just trying to make you happy because that's not really the end. You don't right. learn as much sometimes when you're happy. You learn more through character building hardship. Right. And, and we, of course, shouldn't enjoy seeing people suffer, but we can't prevent suffering or disappointment. But yeah, that makes me mad for you that <laughs> that they didn't validate that and say selfishly, yeah. we're disappointed that you're leaving, but good for you. You have to put your health. Yeah, that first. could be that could be three podcasts uh, on that topic. But, Ugh. you know, I think the um, and to your point, you know, I think real love is being you know, it's being with you know, and tough love is I'm willing to be uncomfortable to be with you, mm. you know, whether it's like, this is hard for me. This doesn't come naturally to me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not patient. And so sitting here and waiting with you is hard for me. Mm. Um, this is not going where I dreamed it would. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a little disappointed and, mm -hmm. but that's my thing, but I'm going to mm -hmm. stay here with you and all that. Um, mm. I, I really, you know, where we're at in, in American religion in general, but specifically in evangelicalism is that like, you know, God's job is to make me happy. God's job is to give me joy, you know, and, and, and that's not, you know, contentment is a very small piece of time mm. in being, you know, mm -hmm. and most of being is boring. Mm. You know, I, I remember your mom was really focused for a long time on those, those kind of behind the scenes caregivers that she had so much experience working with, you know, um, you know, so a mom who had dedicated her life to caring for a child with down syndrome mm. as an adult, you know, um, and just that long-term care. Yeah. You talk about tough love, oh. you know, to sit and be present with something that other people don't value, mm. you know, that doesn't have any kind of, you know, it doesn't, fit on the it's it's no one's going to put it on the church website you know that this is amazing that you're going out and doing this um other people will be frustrated that you know you're spending your life doing this like you have so much to offer and you've chosen to do this mm -hmm. you know um and and often you know that that that's that sense of can can i really sit and be you know one with myself and talking mm -hmm. about your bill of rights i mean that's that's what you're saying is that like i'm going to give my self-permission mm -hmm. to be with me mm -hmm. and protect myself from those things that would distract mm -hmm. from me being with me and, mm -hmm. and making sure when I, when I am active, when I, when being is moving, that it's really me who's moving, not, you know, I'm not doing it for others or doing it for, you know, because I'm being manipulated or mm -hmm. because someone else, you know, it, it, but it's really me that I'm present in that. Um, and then I think when you're interacting with others, you know, and specifically we're talking about your children is, is can, am I willing to be courageous enough to go be with this person, you know, and if I'm not taking care of myself, if I don't know myself, if I'm not dedicated to myself, if I don't love myself, I can't be because I'm not even here. Like, like, right. you know, so if I don't know me, it's really hard to be, you know, but then am I willing to be with you? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's 
where, you know, whether, I mean, for us, we were putting so much emphasis on, at least I was, uh, I, I won't, I won't project. Joanne was a good friend and partner who was trying to help me, you know, live out my perfectionism and over functioning. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But, but I think I felt that, you know, if we were doing good stuff, then that meant we were being something important, you know, mm. and, and where we're already something important. Mm-hmm. You're, you know? you're human beings, not human doings. Right. Right. Um, and just being present in that. And so, and I think that was my big lesson. I mean, one in, in, in kind of that counseling work that I did that a lot of it was with your mom, mm-hmm. you know, it was really kind of finding me, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then also, um, learning to be with me, you know, and not running around chasing other things that, you know, I thought would make other people happy. Right. Um, and then I think really learning to love me, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I would say that's, that's probably been the biggest impact on, on, on my enjoyment of my life, mm-hmm. you know, contentment in my life. Uh, but also I think it's been the most helpful thing for my, my parenting. And then I think, you know, to be able to sit with my adult kids, and they really know me, you know, and, and, uh, and I don't, I don't think I've experienced anything as much fun as being able to sit with my adult children and they really know who I am. They see you. Yeah. And yeah. you feel safe and understood. Oh yeah. And appreciate it. And, 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 and seen and, yes. you know, and my middle daughter still would like me to be a vending machine, but you know, <laughs> it's, but, but she, you know, she'll set it aside if I push back a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and, and there's a lot of that. There was a lot of tough love that went through that process to where they're at now. And there's going to be a lot more. I mean, you know, we're, we're still, you know, boyfriends and careers and, you know, there's a lot more coming down the pike you mm-hmm. know, for those of you who have three-year-olds and you can't wait to get over that stage because parenting is going to be easier. It never ends. You know, that's been one of the biggest eye-openers and shocks of my life, I thought the teen years were going to be easy. And when people said, oh, just wait till your kids are teenagers, I thought, oh, that's going to be the easy part. The right. young kids were what just I thought was going to suck the life out of me yeah. and just exhaustion. But this is way more emotionally draining than yeah. I ever thought it would be. Yeah. Well, and I think that is the great temptation of parenting is that if I could just get through this stage, it'll get better. Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about something killing you being present for your children. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're doing, if you're surviving parenting, you're not present. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, you know, that kind of thing, um, you know, one, uh, but, you know, back to what we said earlier about parents bringing their kids to me and saying, you know, you need to fix this kid cause they're annoying me. And I, and I want that they need to change so that I'm, I need to be, I'm, I'm not annoyed anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that should be a good signal mm-hmm. that something, thing is missing in your life. Yeah. And you know, I keep saying this about marriage, but it applies to parenthood so much. I say, you know, a marriage can't really be any happier than the individuals in it are. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, I'm only a five in my own internal individual happiness, how's your marriage going to be any more than a five? Yeah. And probably as low as the lowest person. Like if, if Remo says his, he's happy a seven in his individual life and I'm a five, our marriage is probably going to be a five. Mm-hmm. But so like you said, you know, as parents, if you're not being balanced and healthy and taking care of yourself or even knowing and appreciating and loving yourself, right. 
how are you going to be happy as a parent and in your family if you're just not happy in and of yourself? Right. And I think, you know, and we all want our kids to love themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and, but I think, I think where you're to your point about like the marriage, I think, I think, I think children's starting point in loving themselves is how well the parents love themselves. Mm. You know, so a, a child can't start if a parent doesn't love themselves, a child is not going to. And they don't love know themselves. what that looks like. They don't know. Maybe. Yeah, they have no. And 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 I definitely think that you know children can can grow and have life experiences and 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 move beyond that and mm-hmm. grow beyond that and have repairing have a deeper sense of loving yeah. themselves. But but I think as far as setting the start point for your child, I, I think that where the parents love themselves is going to be kind of the platform that the kids step off. And so if mm. if you have a a good sense of yourself, you know yourself, you're comfortable in that, that's going to be such a better starting point than if you're doing that work. And 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 then I think too, I, I think that the parenting experience can mm-hmm. definitely be a strong uh, stimulus for you moving along the scale mm-hmm. of your own self-love. Mm-hmm. And I think one way to to diffuse that, to, to make that not progress is that sense of, um, you know, I, 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 uh, I just want to survive right now. Like, I, yes, survival I, I, mode. Yeah, when you, when you turn off the, the protecting yourself, mm-hmm. taking care of yourself, um, you're in a bad, you're in a bad place. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, and for me, it was always like, I would start to resent the kids mm-hmm. and, and that was always my tell. If I was resenting the children, then typically for me, it was, I wasn't getting enough sleep. Mm. That, that was usually the, the number, like I was tired. Um, Yeah. And, you know, when you think about survival mode, so much of that is, um, you know, reactive, protective, defensive. It's not proactive and intentional. And one of the biggest overarching themes in what you've said today is, you know, being intentional and deliberate and smart. And this has definitely been one of my hugest mistakes in parenting that's actually huge and pervades so many different aspects. And when I can get really upset at myself for so many mistakes, I try to remind myself of the things I've done right. But so many things that I've done wrong relate to not being intentional, not being mindful. And I like to blame some of that on my ADHD. Like I think that being so distracted and Mm -hmm. just, I, I don't plan ahead. And I, but I've learned from watching other people and, and what you said earlier, really brought that home is if you can get things started the right way early, like you said, getting down on their level and just touching them, putting your hand on their shoulder and letting them know like one really strong, assertive message that's very clear and Mm -hmm. to the point that they go, okay, I'm never going to do that again. It wasn't harsh. It wasn't mean. It was just clear. It wasn't punitive. Mm-hmm. Instead of like, I'm one of those parents that does exactly what you describe. Like, don't. I said, don't. This is why, you know, over explaining mm-hmm. and and frantic and not looking in their eyes and, and making using nonverbals to drive a point home in a really clear way mm-hmm. that you end up like not training a dog, you right. know. You end up for the rest of your life, you have a dog that begs at the table right. every meal just because you you didn't set that boundary. Yeah, you weren't clear in what the boundary yeah. was. Yeah. And so I feel like starting things the right way, like if your child cries when they're babies, you know, you maybe 
slowly learn to just kind of say, hey, I'm not going to get them for 10 minutes and right. they can self-soothe, right. you know. Yeah. And I think the, the another way I like to think about it is I talk about zero balance parenting mm -hmm. and and. Uh, you know, my oldest daughter is a financial planner and one of her favorite phrases right now with her friends is, you know, if you don't have a million dollars, don't live like a millionaire. And, mm. you know, and, and I think as a family and as a person, the other way I kind of phrase it is, you know, you don't, you don't get to go through life, not paying the bills. Mm. You know, I may not have to pay the bill, you know, but my kids will. Mm -hmm. And so, as as you're walking through um it, it is a zero-sum parenting is a zero-sum game and and so as you go through the day um looking at you know what 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 are the what's the energy we have what are we really trying to accomplish you know i think the biggest challenge for modern families is saying no and paring down what we're doing you know uh what's more important um some toddlers on Saturday morning, eating pancakes and playing with dad in the yard for two hours or getting up and getting to the soccer field so that we can run around in circles on the team. You know, mm. what, what's really important here in, and the, big picture. in the big picture. Um, and, and I think the, a lot of times, you, you know, those conversations about with myself mm -hmm. around setting boundaries and saying no, um, sitting down as spouses or co-parent co-parenters and, and, and having a hard conversation about, you know, what your dreams for our kids are, what my dreams mm -hmm. are, for what our resources, those are hard. That's hard mm -hmm. work. Um, and if you don't do it, you know, then uh, you're going to have to pay you that pay bill. Pay the price later. Yeah, you got to so pay. So that's what the zero balance means. Yeah, you know, so when you're seeing things, don't put stuff off. You know, you know, the kind of the, oh. the classic marriage of don't, you know, don't go to bed angry, mm -hmm. you know which my wife hated because that was not her family. You know, mm -hmm. I, when we first got married, I'd be like, we need to sit down and talk this out. And she was like, can't we just like hold it in? And then in a couple of days, we'll scream at each other and, you know, and then have great makeup sex after that. And I was like, mm -hmm. no, 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 that's not how we're going to do it. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it really is um, when you're seeing things happen, you know, don't put it, don't off. put it off, deal with it or it'll come back to haunt it you will. or bite you. It will. And, and I think, and as a, and, and, and motivating you on your own personal work uh -huh. of you say like, okay, I just, I, I don't have any hope that I can fix that. Or, you know, I, you know, I have a temper uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, I just, I, I, I have a hard time saying no. And then I, I'm a flake. I, I, I say yes to a hundred things and then I don't So address deliver. the issues, address right. the, the debts, address the issue, the everything. Well, and I think just understanding the cost, like the, the, it's not mm -hmm. like, you know, okay, so. I flaked out today and, and it all worked out. It's, it's not going to always work out. Like mm -hmm. it's going to come up, you know, I, I mean, I, I see, you know, I've, I've paid some pretty severe prices for things my parents didn't want to deal with, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I get it. Like we're all, we all have our challenges. Like the cracks in the foundation or the, the leaks, yeah. it, you know, you've got to deal with that stuff or it will slowly deteriorate yeah. the relationship. It's, it was like gardening. You know, mm -hmm. you know, that one piece of crabgrass pops up. If you get in there and get it, then it's over. But if you ignore it in a couple of weeks, you won't have a garden left because there's crabgrass everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's boring work. Stay on top of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's boring. It's 
not always very rewarding. Correct. But it's it is so pivotal. It seems trivial or annoying. Yeah, and I think I think the self work and and I would say the self discipline. Mm. You know that it all, that tends to be very very boring work. Mm-hmm. You know, and but it's so essential. Mm-hmm. And and I think um, you know really staying focused on on those things as you go through, paying attention to it um, when stuff's bubbling up that you're like, that's big, you know, mm-hmm. realize like, okay, we got a crack in the foundation. This could bring the whole wall down if mm-hmm. we don't address it and it's expensive and somebody's going to have to get in there and dig it out. And we got to have people at our house and I got to get them here. And that's, man, that's gonna be a lot of work. You know, the family part of that is like, okay, we, we need to step back, get some counseling. You know, we need to take a break. Like we need to, we're going to have a quarter with no sports. You know, um, we're going to get to, we're all going to start going to bed at eight o'clock. I'm going to friendly, I'm going to crank down on my teenagers and we're taking electronics. We're going to, we're going to do a week without electronics or mm-hmm. we're only going to do electronics for 30 minutes mm-hmm. a day. You know, that's, that's hard work. That's some serious parental gardening yes, that, that you're doing. Yes. Yeah. Prevention, and, proactivity, upkeep instead of reactivity and just trying right. to repair, you know, major destruction that could have been prevented. Yeah with more mindfulness. Well, and most of, I mean, the American answer is just work harder, mm-hmm. you know, so we got a crack in the foundation. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna pour some concrete on it. Or I'm gonna put a new wall up, or we're gonna cover it up, we'll cover it up. Yeah, you know, and and um, because it's too much work to get in there. And this do house had five roofs on it when we bought it. Wow. We couldn't figure out why the brick was bowed out at the top. And then Remo got in there and five exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Just the throw another one on there. Yeah. Fix instead of the the right fix. Right. Yeah, and I think that's that that's probably you know because it it is it's so much easier to look around like what else is everyone else doing mm-hmm. you know and how do we get that result mm-hmm. um, and and then you know that thing of uh, well this is what our friend group's interested in right now so we're gonna blow over here with this and then we're gonna blow over here with that yeah and, and then you know as you get into to teen years, it's just, you know, and, and the consumerism and, mm-hmm. you know, and they're being just pounded with, mm-hmm. you know, expensive clothes, expensive shoes, expensive cars, expensive trips. And so many families that, um, and they may have the means to do some of that, mm-hmm. but it's not their priority. Like their, their foundational priorities as a family don't go with that, but they don't want to have those hard conversations about like, no, 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 we're not. And how is that character it. building? Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that I think of tough love a lot as character building, and it's sometimes harder because you don't want your kids to be disappointed. I've seen friends that actually stick with their consequences, and clients' families. You know, they they will say make a threat, and they stick to it. You know, and I can let my own I don't know feelings about my kids' disappointment get in the way of me sticking to it. Right. I was good. I will say this. I was good about sticking to the this one i would say okay if you do this or don't do this you get no dessert tonight Mm -hmm. and they would be disappointed but i could handle that disappointment but i've seen friends say you know if you don't clean your room you're not going to go on this special day trip that we have planned with all your friends and they'll stick to it and i'm like i would never have the guts to be able to sit there and let my or the other end of the spectrum you know, like I'll get angry and I'll make some threat that's r- ridiculous. Yes. And because I did it, now I'm going to stick to it. Uh-huh. You know, instead of coming back and saying, "Well, okay, that's just mean," and right. uh, you know, and right, you know, Mike, 
uh, we when Mary Grace was driving um, her, it was her senior year. Uh, Mary Grace and Annabeth were on the same cheer team. Uh-huh. And there was a day that they were going to have cheer practice, but they didn't have school. Uh-huh. And so Mary Grace went and had lunch with some of her friends. And Mary Grace was Annabeth's ride to practice. Uh-huh. And so Mary Grace just went on to practice from the lunch date with her friends. And forgot and to for, take And didn't even think about Annabeth because she just thought mom would take her. Uh-huh. You know, because that's what, you know, mom always. Mom will swoop mom, yeah, in mom will and save it. the day. They do it. And I lost my mind, you know, because I mean, one, uh, we, we had a, an allowance at that stage. And my thing is, you know, you do your activities, you do your schoolwork, that's your job. And if mm-hmm. you do that, then, you know, the trip to Chick-fil-A with your friends, I'll give you some money every week that you can do that, you know, mm-hmm. once or twice. And, um, and so if you, if you focus on your work and so, you know, I had paid for the Chick-fil-A visit i was paying for the car mm-hmm. um and and you couldn't even have the decency to think about your sister mm-hmm. and i was furious mm. and so you know uh i was you know car car's gone no car car's gone <laughs> for you know a month and uh you know and, and and you're gonna have to figure it out i'm not giving you a ride to school you're gonna have to you know ask you're people for a ride. yeah you know i mean i lost my mind and then <laughs> and then after about 24 hours i slept on it and and i realized you know she had no frame of reference. She's not a parent. Uh-huh. She doesn't realize the logistical difficulties that we were dealt with because her sister didn't have a ride to, mm-hmm. to practice. It she, wasn't intentional. Yeah. I mean, you know, and she's a good kid. Mm-hmm. And so we did, you know, three days without car just mm-hmm. to reinforce that that was something you need Drive to think about. Home. Yeah. But, but it wasn't a month, you know, that it I wasn't originally extreme right, or exaggerated. Right. And so I think, you know, that again, you know, kind of sitting in the moment, say like, what, what are our goals here? Right. You know? Um, and, and not, and it wasn't, you know, and she complained, it wasn't that she complained and, and I changed my mind. It was, that, you know, I, I was a little, uh, I lost my mind and I had to be reeled in a little bit after, after that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great example. It's so interesting how different things trigger different people. Mm-hmm. You know, one person can get rage over a completely different issue and you're like, what, why are you so mad? But then you have a button that they don't have. Right. Um, yeah. Well, any other thoughts or comments or I want to, oh, I do want to, let me ask you this real quick. You said your goals for adolescence and I was taking notes, figure out who you are, see the world in a healthy way. I don't think I wrote down the third one. And then, uh, be, uh, developing competency and making decisions in regards to what you're going to do. So as I know who I am and as I'm seeing what's going on, I become competent in, in decision-making. Um, mm. And so, and a lot of times, like as you're dealing with uh, teenagers, adolescent decision making, I do a lot of like, you know, so they'll, you know, we would say uh, they made a bad decision. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to come back to them. And our discussion about that is okay, I think I know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, tell me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm your father and I think I know you and I think I know who you are and who you want to be and what's important to you that decision doesn't go with that like yeah. help me understand oh i love that phrase how, help me understand yeah help me understand how you would make that decision knowing who you are yeah how that aligns with your goals or yeah. who you are what you believe in yeah what's important to you um what you see is your strengths what you see is where you're going with your life you know and then you know what were you seeing like as you were looking around at mm-hmm. your environment, mm-hmm. 
and and this is the decision that you made like what were you seeing that you thought that was the right mm-hmm. way to do things and mm-hmm. and so and some kids have you know i mean they have some big personality issues or they have some trauma or they have anxiety or fears that mm-hmm. will cloud their vision for what's going on mm-hmm. that's where it can be very helpful to go to a licensed psychologist mm-hmm. and work on you know that's a lot of the work that you do is helping people see things in a new way you know in a way that you know they may have been blind to or and we all have blind spots and Mm -hmm. um and so i think you know a mistake is an opportunity to um really do some some person work you know Mm -hmm. around who you are Mm -hmm. um you know and it may be something simple as like i've got this new friend and and i want them to like me and and Mm -hmm. and and that's important and then you can talk about well you know who is that person Mm -hmm. and who are you and if getting that person to like you mm-hmm. caused you to make this decision, are you going to keep doing that? Like, like, are, are you going to continue to say like this thing that's in conflict with that decision? Who's a part of you? Are you getting rid of that? Mm-hmm. You know, are you are you are you adapting what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of it would not be necessarily like breaking the rules like most people would be concerned about, like, you know, you stayed out all night or something like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is just, you know you said you don't like music and you invested a lot to go to this concert with this Mm -hmm. person. Like, tell me what's, what's going on in that decision, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really try to like with all of my kids as they were making those kind of decision, that decision competency, Mm -hmm. you know, I I would want to know why they were doing that. You know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of it, you know, they're, they're, they decide they really like this youth group and they want to go over there and listen to this youth minister mm-hmm. and I'll go listen with them and, and, and I'll come back and say, you know, well, this is really important in their kind of scheme of, of what they believe. Yeah. You want to explore their world yeah. and why they like yeah. it. Why, like. why is it that that's resonating with you? You know, yeah. you know, and, and, and I thought that you kind of thought this and, and even if it's not something that I think is bad, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's different. It's a different, mm-hmm you're seeing like a, a new element to what the decision-making that they're doing. And that's really like, when, when do you get worried is really when you see those things that kids are constantly making decisions that don't skew with who they are, mm. you know, um, when, when that, that when they look at the world, they're seeing things in a way that's not helpful to them. That's mm-hmm. destructive. Like I'm always going to not, be of value to anyone else like a um, cognitive distortion yeah, that's right irrational yeah, thought right. yeah yeah you're looking at them and they're uh extremely thin and and uh um you know and they think they're they're seeing themselves as and they're overweight mm-hmm. you know those are the kind of things that that that's when i get really concerned and and most kids should be able to make good competent decisions by the time they're 15 you mm-hmm. know and and if you're not there you know why mm-hmm. why why are we not there yet you know, do we need to dig in and get some help and kind of making those decisions? But because um, it is dark. I mean, you know, I think that there's just so little feedback of am I doing a good job mm-hmm. when you're in the heart, like the 13, 14, 15 years, you know, and uh, and especially if you have parents like grandparents over your shoulder, you know, why are you letting them wear that? Why would you let them go to that thing? You know, I don't like that friend, their boyfriend. I don't like him at all. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a really lonely place to mm-hmm. be. And, and then we talked about earlier kind of the ends of the spectrum of the um, don't ask, don't tell parents and the Alcatraz Island parents. Yeah. 
you know, I learned really quickly that as a teenage parent, you were on an island by yourself. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, um, you know, if you're sitting there trying to allow your child to have a, a, an appropriate amount of responsibility, mm-hmm. and I always tried to let my kids have a little more responsibility yeah. than they were ready to have. Um, and, uh, um, and so, you know, if, if people are going to be upset with you, mm-hmm. if that's your parenting style, mm-hmm. because the Alcatraz Island parents will be, how can you let your kid go do that? Mm-hmm. You know, and then your kids get out over their skis and you reel them back in. Then the, the don't ask, don't tell parents are going to be upset because they're going to think you're judging them, you know, yeah. you know, and, and uh, too strict, too lenient. Yeah. Neither end is, is ideal for yeah. development or outcome or. Well, but as a parent you're not going to get a lot of feedback that you're doing a great job. Right. You know, you're, you're, the other adolescent parents are going to be negative. You know, your kids are not going to be positive about mm-hmm. what you're doing. You're going to so, question yourself or be questioned. Yeah, it's a very lonely place. And, <laughs> and I think the, the thing that really helped us was we had good friends that were, you know, five, 10, 15 years ahead in the parenting scheme. To and, consult. Yeah. And that was, that was really life-saving for us, mm. you know, because when you're in the weeds to be able to pop up and say, Hey, parent of a, you know, kid who's 10 years ahead of mine like is this important and they'd be like yes super Even important you just describing the dinner table scene at your house was so comforting for me today because that's where we are right right now and i'm just sit there what have i done wrong like why are my kids arguing they yeah. argue we'll get in the car and it's a, i want the front seat give me that and we're like what have we done wrong right. and i know we've made mistakes but i'm like you're so proactive and on the ball and i'm like Okay, if he had that at his table, that's really comforting yeah, to hear. Yeah. yeah, why are you sitting on the table? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was so helpful and informative, and I just was so excited to pick your brain on this topic as an expert in kids of all ages mm-hmm. for 20 years and as a pediatrician and all the books you've read. And um, are there any books that you just especially love or have learned from or resources or? Yeah, there's a whole new. Uh, so Andrew Garner is one of my favorite developmental pediatricians. Mm. He's written a, a very good book, um, and I, I think it's actually called the developmentally appropriate parent. Or mm. that uh, that may I'll not look be right. It up. But, that but, sounds great, yeah, Andrew and, Garner. And he's and his book is on. If you go to the American Academy of Pediatrics website, mm-hmm. it's aap.org. They have a bookstore that has uh, that. That's there, and that that was. I think that's probably the best book I've seen in regards to kind of breaking down um, what like developmentally, what's my approach angle for my kids, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we don't, as parents, we don't get any of that. You know, it's, yeah. you know, that's not something that my parents talk to me about, you know, yeah. um, and, and people expect too much all the time because yeah. they don't understand why are my kids pushing me away and they don't talk to me anymore? Right. Have I done something? Right. No, that's normal for yeah, a 15, that's 14 right. year old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's helpful. You know, it's like a roadmap. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, I, I don't, this doesn't look familiar to me. Well, let's figure out where you're at, you know, and get a better idea of where you should go. Yeah. But. Well, thank you so very much for taking your part of your day off to share all this information. Yeah, my pleasure. It was good to see you. So good to see you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Oh my goodness. Bye.